Miss Retro Reads is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is an app that helps you record your podcasts, edit it, insert music or sound effects, or even background music. There's so much more you can do with this app than I do. And they distribute it wherever you're listening to it right now. So thanks, Anchor, and thank you for listening to Miss Retro Reads. Grimm's Fairy Tales Little Red Riding Hood Once upon a time there was a little girl who was loved by everybody who knew her, but most of all by her grandmother, who once gave her a little red velvet cloak with a hood. This was so becoming to her that she would never wear anything else, so she always was called Red Riding Hood. One day her mother said to her, Come, little Red Riding Hood, here is a cake and a bottle of wine for you to take to grandmother. She is weak and ill, and they will do her good. Start quickly before the day gets too hot, and on your way walk properly, and don't run off the path. And when you go into her room, don't forget to say, Good morning nicely. I will be sure to do as you say, Red Riding Hood promised her mother. The grandmother lived out in the woods, about a half an hour's walk from the village, and just as Red Riding Hood entered the woods, she met a wolf. But as she did not know what a wicked animal he was, she was not at all afraid of him. "'Good day, little Red Riding Hood,' said the wolf. "'Where are you going so early?' "'To my grandmother's. What are you carrying in your basket?' "'Some cake and wine. Yesterday was baking day, so grandmother is to have something good to make her stronger.' "'Where does your grandmother live, Little Red Riding Hood?' "'About a quarter of an hour farther on in the woods. "'Her house stands just under the big oak tree, "'and the nut tree just below. "'You surely must know it,' said Red Riding Hood. "'The wolf thought to himself, "'That tender young thing would be a delicious morsel. "'Much better to eat than the old woman. "'I must act craftily and catch both of them.' He walked along by the side of Red Riding Hood for a little while, and then said, "'Just look at the pretty flowers all about here. Why do you look around? And I don't think you are listening to how sweetly the birds are singing. You just walk along as if you were going to school, while everything in the woods are so merry.' Red Riding Hood raised her eyes, and when she saw the sunbeams dancing through the trees and the lovely flowers everywhere, she thought, If I were to take Grandmother a bouquet of fresh flowers, I'm sure she would be very pleased. It is still so early in the day. I shall get there in plenty of time. So she left the path and ran into the woods looking for flowers. Every time she picked one, She imagined she saw still prettier one further on, and so she got deeper and deeper into the woods. Meanwhile, the wolf ran straight to the grandmother's house and knocked at the door. "'Who is there?' cried the grandmother. "'Red Riding Hood,' cried the wolf. "'I have brought you some cake and some wine. Please open the door.' "'Lift the latch.' called out the grandmother. I am too weak to get up. So the wolf lifted the latch, and the door sprang open. He went straight up to the grandmother's bed without saying a word and ate her up. 
Then he put on her nightgown and her cap, lay down in her bed, and drew the curtains around the bed. Red Riding Hood had been running about picking flowers, and when she could hold no more, she remembered her grandmother and set out on the way. When she came to the house, she was surprised to find the door open, and when she went into the room, she had such a strange feeling that she said to herself, "'Oh, dear, how uncomfortable I feel, and usually I like being with Grandmother so much.' Red Riding Hood called out, "'Good morning!' But there was no answer, so she went to the bed and drew back the curtains from the bed. There lay her grandmother in her cap, pulled down over her face, and looking very strange. "'Oh, grandmother,' she said, "'what big ears you have!' "'The better to hear you with, my dear.' "'Grandmother, what big eyes you have! "'The better to see you with, my dear.' "'Grandmother, what big hands you have! "'The better to hug you with, my dear. "'But, Grandmother, what big teeth you have! "'The better to eat you with, my dear!' "'No sooner had the wolf said this "'than he made one bound out of bed "'and swallowed up Little Red Riding Hood.' Having satisfied his hunger, he lay down again on the bed and was soon snoring loudly. A huntsman who was passing the house heard him and thought, How loudly that woman snores! I had better see if there is anything the matter with her. So he went into the room, and when he came to the bed, he saw the wolf laying there. At last I've found you, he said. I have been seeking you for a long time. Then just as he was about to shoot, it occurred to him that the wolf might have swallowed the grandmother whole, and that she might still be saved. So he took a pair of scissors and began to cut open the sleeping wolf. When he had made two snips, he saw a little red hood, and after two more snips, the little girl sprang out crying, Oh, how frightened I was! How dark it was inside the wolf! Then one and then out came the grandmother, alive too, though scarcely able to breathe. Red Riding Hood quickly brought some big stones with which they filled the wolf's body. When he awoke and tried to run away, the stones were so heavy that he collapsed and fell down dead. They were all three delighted. The huntsman took off the wolf's skin and carried it home. The grandmother ate the cake and drank the wine and felt much better. And Red Riding Hood said to herself that she would never again wander off alone, but would mind what her mother told her. Hansel and Gretel Near a large forest in the land far away, there lived a woodcutter, his wife, and his two children. The boy's name was Hansel and the girl's Gretel. They had very little to eat in the house, and once, when there was a famine in the land, the man could not even earn the daily bread, and as he lay in his bed one night, turning and tossing, he sighed heavily and said to his wife, "'What will become of us? We cannot even feed our children. There's nothing left for ourselves.' "'I will tell you what we can do,' answered the wife. "'We will take the children early in the morning to the forest, where it is thickest, and we will build a fire.' and we will give each of them a piece of bread. Then we will go to our work and leave them alone. They won't be able to find their way home, and we shall be rid of them. No, said the man. 
I cannot do that. I cannot find it in my heart to take my children into the forest and leave them to the wild animals. Then, she said, we will all starve. And she left him no peace until he consented. But I really pity the poor children, said the man. The two children had not been able to sleep for hunger and had heard what their stepmother had said to their father. Greta wept bitterly and told Hansel, It is all over for us. Do be quiet, Gretel, said Hansel, and do not worry. I will manage everything. When the parents had gone to sleep, he got up and put on his coat, opened the door, and slipped out. The moon was shining brightly, and the white pebbles that lay in front of the house glistened. Hansel stooped down and filled the pocket of his coat with them. Then he went back again and said to Gretel, Go to sleep, little sister. God will not forsake us. Then he went to bed again. Next day, before the sun had come up, the wife came and awakened the two children, saying, Get up. We are going into the forest to cut wood. Then she gave them each a piece of bread and said, This is for your lunch, and you must not eat it before then. Gretel carried the bread under her apron, and Hansel had the pebbles in his pocket that they all started for the forest. When they had gone a little way, Hansel stood still and looked back towards the house, and this he did again and again. At last his father said to him, Hansel, what are you looking at? Take care not to forget your legs. Oh, father, said Hansel, I'm looking at my little white kitten, which is up on the roof. That is not your kitten, said the woman. It's only the sunshine on the chimney. Hansel had not been looking at his kitten. Every now and then he would take a pebble from his pocket and drop it on the ground. When they reached the middle of the forest, the father told the children to collect some wood. Hansel and Gretel gathered brushwood enough for a little mountain. It was set on fire, and when the flame was burning quite high, the wife said, Now lie down by the fire and rest yourselves, children, while we go cut wood. When we are ready, we will come back to fetch you. So Hansel and Gretel sat by the fire, and at noon they each ate their bread. They thought their father was in the forest all the time, as they seemed to hear the strokes of the axe, but it was really only a branch hanging to a dead tree and blown by the wind. When they had stayed there a long time, they fell fast asleep. When they woke, it was night, and Gretel began to cry. How shall we ever get out of this wood? But Hansel comforted her, saying, Wait a little while longer, until the moon rises, and then we can easily find the way home. When the full moon rose, Hansel took his little sister by the hand and followed the way that, where the pebbles shone like silver and showed them the road. They walked the whole night, and at the break of day they came to their father's house. They knocked at the door, and when the wife opened it and saw that it was Hansel and Gretel, she said, "'You naughty children! Why did you sleep so long? We thought you were never coming home again.' But the father was glad, for it had grieved him to leave the children in the woods alone. Not very long after that, there was again a great scarcity of food, and the children heard their mother at night say to their father, "'We have only half a loaf of bread, and after that nothing. The children must go away. 
We will take them farther into the woods this time, so that they won't be able to find the way back again. There's no other way out. The man felt sad at heart, and he thought it would be far better to share one's last morsel with one's children. But the wife would listen to nothing that he said. She scolded and reproached him, and as the father had given in once, he had to do so a second time as well. When the parents had gone to sleep, Hansel got up to go out and get more pebbles, but the wife had locked the door, and Hansel could not get out. He comforted his little sister nevertheless and said, Don't cry, Gretel. Go to sleep quietly, and God will help us. Early the next morning the wife came and pulled the children out of bed. She gave them each a little piece of bread, less than before, and on the way to the forest Hansel crumbled it up in his pocket, stopped now and then to throw a crumb on the ground. "'Hansel, what are you stopping to look about you for?' asked the father. "'I am looking at my little pigeon on the roof,' answered Hansel. "'That is no pigeon,' said the wife. "'It's the morning sun shining on the chimney.' Hansel went on as before, and dropped breadcrumbs all along the road. The woman led the children far into the forest, where there had never been before. Again a large fire was made, and the mother said, "'Sit still there, children.' and when you are tired you can go to sleep. We are going into the forest to cut wood, and in the evening, when we are ready to go home, we will come and fetch you. When the noon came, Gretel shared her bread with Hansel, for he had crumbled his along the road. Then they went to sleep, and the evening passed, and no one came for the poor children. It was dark when they awoke, and Hansel comforted his little sister. He said, Wait until the moon gets up. Then we shall be able to see the way home by the crumbs of bread that I left. When the moon rose, they got up, but they could find no crumbs of bread, for the birds had come and eaten them up. Hansel thought they might find the way all the same, but they could not. They went all night, the next day from morning until the evening, but they could not find the way out of the woods. They were also very hungry. For they had nothing to eat but few berries they could pick up, and when they were so tired they could no longer drag themselves along, they lay down under a tree and fell asleep. It was now the third morning since they had left their father's house. They were always trying to get back to it, but instead of that they only found themselves farther into the wood. About noon they saw a pretty white bird on a tree. It sang so sweetly that they stopped to listen, and when it had finished, the bird spread its wings and flew in front of them. They followed it until they came to a house built of bread, and the roof was of cake. The windows were of transparent sugar. "'We will have some of this,' said Hansel. "'We will have a fine meal. I will eat a piece of the roof, Gretel, and you may have some of the window. It will taste sweet.' Hansel reached up and broke off a bit of the roof, just to see how it tasted, and Gretel stood by the window and nibbled at it. Then they heard a thin voice call out from inside, Nibble, nibble like a mouse, who's that nibbling at my house? The children answered, Never mind, it's the wind. And they went on eating, never disturbing themselves. 
Hansel, who found the roof very good, broke off a large piece of it, and Gretel pulled out a large round window pane, and sat down and began to eat it. When the door opened and an old woman came out, leaning upon a crutch, Hansel and Gretel were very frightened and dropped what they had in their hands. The old woman, however, nodded her head and said, "'Ah, my dear children, what brings you here? You must come in and stay with me. You will be no trouble at all.' She took them by the hand and led them into her house." And there they found a good meal laid out, of milk, pancakes, with sugar, apples, and nuts. After that she showed them two beds, and Hansel and Gretel laid themselves down on them to sleep. The old woman, although seeming to be so kind, was really a wicked witch, who had built the little house on purpose to lure children to it. When they were once inside, she used to cook them and eat them, and then it was a feast day to her. Early in the morning, before the children were awake, the witch got up to look at the children, and as they lay sleeping so peacefully, she said to herself, What a fine feast I shall have. Then she grasped Hansel with her bony hand and led him into a stable. She shut him up behind a grating, and call and scream as he might, she took no heed. Then she went back to Gretel and shook her, crying, Get up, lazy bones, fetch some water, and cook something nice for your brother. He is outside in the stable, and must be fattened up, and when he is fat enough, I will eat him. Gretel began to weep bitterly, but it was of no use. She had to obey the witch's orders, and so the best food was cooked for Hansel, while Gretel got nothing but crab shells. Each morning the old woman visited the stable and cried, Hansel, stretch out your finger that I may tell if it will soon be fat enough. Hansel, however, used to hold out a little bone, and the old woman, who had weak eyes, could not see what it was, supposing it to be Hansel's finger. She wondered very much why it was not getting fatter. When four weeks had passed and Hansel still seemed to remain thin, she lost patience and could wait no longer. "'Now then, Gretel,' she cried to the little girl, "'be quick and fetch some water. "'Be Hansel fat or lean, tomorrow I must cook him.' "'Oh, how the poor little girl grieved, "'how the tears flowed down her cheeks. "'Dear God, help us,' she cried. "'If we had been eaten by wild animals in the forest, "'at least we would die together.' "'Spare me your lamentations,' said the old woman." They will do you no good. Early next morning, Gretel had to get up, make the fire, and fill the kettle. First we will do the baking, said the old woman. I have heated the oven already and kneaded the dough. She pushed Gretel towards the oven. Creep in, said the witch, and see if it is hot, so that the bread may be baked. She meant, of course, to shut the door upon Gretel and let her be baked, and then she would be eaten. But Gretel saw her intentions, and she said, I don't know how to do it. How shall I get in? Silly goose, said the old woman. The opening is big enough. She opened the door and put her head into the oven. Then Gretel gave her a push so that she went in further, and she shut the iron door behind her. Gretel then went straight to Hansel and cried, "'Hansel, we are free. The old witch is dead.' Then out flew Hansel like a bird from his cage, 
as soon as the door is opened. How happy they both were! They danced about and kissed each other, and as they had nothing more to fear, they went through the house. In every corner there were chests of pearls and precious stones. Hansel filled his pockets with them, and Gretel, thinking she also would like to carry something home with her, filled her apron. Now we must go, said Hansel, if we can only get out of this witch's wood. When they had walked a few hours, they came to a large lake. We can never get across this, said Hansel. I see no stepping stones nor bridge. And there is no boat either, said Gretel. But here comes a white duck. If I ask her, she will help us. So she cried, Duck, duck, here we stand, Hansel and Gretel on the land. Stepping stones and bridge we lack. Carry us over on your back. The duck swam towards them, and Hansel got upon its back. Then he told his sister to come too. No, answered Gretel, that would be too heavy for the duck. We can go separately, one after the other. And that was how it was managed. After that they went on until they came to the wood, and the way grew more and more familiar, till at last they saw in the distance their father's house. Then they ran till they came up to it, rushed in at the door, and hugged their father with great joy. The man had not been so happy. He had not had a happy moment since he left his children in the wood, and in the meantime the wife had died. When Gretel opened her apron, the pearls and precious stones were scattered all over the room, and Hansel took one handful after another out of his pocket. Then was all care at the end, and they lived together happily. How Six Traveled Through the World There was once a man who knew many arts. He had been in the king's army, where he had served very bravely, but when the war came to an end, he received his discharge and a small payment for his services. Wait a bit! This does not please me, he said. If I find the right people, I will make the king give me the treasures of the whole kingdom. Inflamed with anger, he went into a forest, where he found a man who just uprooted six trees as if it were straw, and he said to him, Will you be my servant and travel with me? Yes, replied the man, but I will first take home to my mother this bundle of sticks. Take up one of the trees, he wound it about the other five, and raising the bundle upon his shoulder, he carried it away. Then he returned, and his master said to him, We too should travel well through the world. They had not gone far. They came up with a hunter who was kneeling upon one knee and preparing to take aim at something with his gun. The master asked what he was going to shoot, and he replied, Two miles from here is a fly upon a branch of an oak tree, whose left eye I wish to shoot out. Oh, come with me, said the man. If we three are together, we can pass easily through the world. The huntsman considered and went with him, and soon they arrived at seven windmills, whose sails were going round at a great speed. Although right or left, there was no wind and not a leaf stirring. At this sight the man said, I wonder what drives these mills, for there is no breeze. They went on, 
but they had not traveled more than two miles when they saw a man sitting up in a tree who held one nostril shut, and he blew out through the other. "'Good gracious!' said the hero. "'What are you doing up there?' "'Do you not see?' replied the man. Two miles from here, seven windmills. It is upon those I am blowing, that the sails may go round. Oh, then come with me, said the hero. For if four people like us travel together, we shall soon get through the world. So the blower got up and accompanied him, and in a short while they met with another man, standing upon one leg, who had unbuckled the other leg and laid it by his side. The leader of the others said, "'You have done this, no doubt, to rest yourself.' "'Yes,' replied the man. "'I am a runner, and to keep myself from running along too quickly, "'I have unbuckled one of my legs, "'for when I run with both, I go faster than a bird can fly.' "'Well, then, come with me,' said our hero. Five such men are we, and we shall go through the world.' The five went on together and soon met a man who had a hat on which he wore over one ear. The captain of the others said to him, Don't hang your hat on one side like that. You look like a simpleton. I dare not wear my hat straight, said the other, for if I do, there will come so sharp a frost that the birds in the sky will freeze and fall dead upon the ground. Then come with me, said the hero. It would be odd if six "'Fellows, like us, cannot travel quickly through the world.' "'These six new companions went into the city "'where the king had proclaimed "'that whoever ran a race with his daughter and won "'would become her husband. "'But if he lost the race, he would also lose his head. "'This was mentioned to our hero, "'who said that he would have his servant run for him. "'But the king told him that in that case he must agree that his servant's life as well as his own would be sacrificed if the wager was lost. To this he agreed, and then he instructed his runner to buckle on his other leg and told him to be careful to make sure of winning. The wager was that whoever first brought back water from a distant spring would be the victor. So the runner and the princess both received a cup, and they both began to run at the same moment. But the princess had not run many steps before the runner was out of sight, and it seemed as if but a puff of wind had passed. In a short time he came to the spring, filled his cup, and turned back again. But now he did not go very far before he felt tired, set his cup down, and lay down to take a nap. He made his pillow of a block of wood, which lay upon the ground, thinking, from its being hard, that he would soon awake. Meanwhile, the princess, who was a better runner than many of the men at court, had arrived at the spring and was returning with her cup of water, when she saw her opponent laying asleep. She took delight in emptying his cup, and then she ran on faster still. All would now have been lost if by good luck the huntsman had not been standing atop the castle, looking with his sharp eyes. When he saw that the princess was gaining the advantage, he loaded his gun and shot so accurately that he carried away the block of wood under the runner's head, without doing the man any injury. This awoke him, and jumping up, he found his cup empty and the princess already far in advance. However, he did not lose courage, 
but ran back to the spring and again filling his cup returned home ten minutes earlier than his opponent behold he said only now i have used my legs what i did before would not be called running the king was disgusted and his daughter not less that a common soldier should carry off the prize so they talked of how they might get rid of them and his companions at last the king said do not distress yourself my dear i have found a way to prevent their return then he called to six travellers and said to them you must now eat and drink and be merry he led them into a room with doors of iron and the windows guarded with iron bars in the room was a table set with choice delicacies and the king invited them to enter and refresh themselves as soon as they were inside he locked and bolted all the doors then he sent for the cook and commanded him to keep a fire lighted beneath the room till the iron was red hot the cook obeyed and the six champions sitting at the table soon began to feel warm they at first thought it was the result of the hearty eating but as it kept getting warmer and warmer they rose to leave the room and found the doors and windows all fast then they realized that the king had some wicked design in mind and wished to suffocate them but he shall not succeed cried the man with the hat i will summon a frost that will crush this fire and so saying he set his hat on straight immediately a cold frost fell all the heat disappeared and even the meats upon the dishes began to freeze when two hours had passed the king thought they would be stifled he opened the door and went in himself to see after them but as soon as the door was opened there stood all six fresh and lively and said they would like to come out to warm themselves for the cold in the room had been so intense that all the dishes were frozen in a great passion the king went down to the cook and scolded him and asked why he had not obeyed his instructions the cook however pointing to the fire said there is heat enough here i should think the king was obliged to admit that there was and he saw clearly that he would not be able to get rid of his visitors as easily as he thought the king now began to think afresh how he could free himself and he caused their leader to be summoned and said will you not take gold and give up your right to my daughter if so you shall have as much as you wish well my lord king replied the man just give me as much as my servants can carry and you are welcome to keep your daughter this answer pleased the king very much and our hero said that he would come and fetch some in fourteen days during that time he collected all the tailors in the kingdom and made them sew him a sack which took them all that time to make as soon as it was ready the strong man who had uprooted the tree took the sack upon his shoulder and carried it to the king at the sight of him the king said what a powerful fellow this must be carrying this great sack upon his shoulders and sorely frightened he wondered how much gold would he need to fill it the king then commanded a ton of gold to be brought which required sixteen strong men to lift but the strong man taking it up with one hand shoved it into the sack saying 
Why do you not bring more at a time? This scarcely covers the bottom of the sack. Then, by degrees, the king caused all his treasures to be brought, which the strong man put in, and yet they did not fill half his sack. Bring more, he said. These are only a couple of crumbs. Then they had to be brought seven thousand wagons full of gold, and all these the men pushed into the sack, gold, wagons, oxen, and all. Still it was not full, and the strong man offered to take whatever they brought, if they would but fill his sack. When everything that they could find was put in, the man said, Well, I must take an end to this, and besides, if the sack is not quite full, it can be tied up so much the easier. And so, saying, he hoisted it up on his back and went away, and his companions with him. When the king saw this one man bearing away all the riches of his kingdom, he fell into a great rage, and ordered his cavalry to pursue the six men, and at all risks to bring back the strong man with a sack. Two regiments went after them quickly, and shouted out to them, "'You are our prisoners. Lay down the sack of gold, or you will be cut to pieces.' "'What is that you are saying?' cried the blower. "'You will make us prisoners?' So saying, he held one nostril, and with the other blew the two regiments right away into the blue sky, so that one regiment flew over the hills on the right side, and the others on the left. So the six companions took home all the wealth of that kingdom, shared it with one another, and lived in contentment the rest of their days. The End 